everyone. Welcome back to Unsupervised Leadership. We are here with a fabulous F4 leader, an author, a superintendent, and she is a second-time guest, Dr. Carrie Bruby, superintendent of O'Fallon District 90. Mm, yeah, she is a second-time guest. We've only had one other repeat guest, Carrie, and that was Sarah Bocek. Oh, nice to be in the company of Sarah Bocek. That's an honor. Absolutely. Yes. Welcome to Unsuper. Welcome back to Unsupervised yeah. Leadership. Thank you. Such a highlight. <laughs> Listen, we're here today because we want to talk about your book, your new book, Comfy Shoes and Keychains, Tips for Women in Leadership. So we're just excited to have you on to talk all about this book. Uh, but before we get to that, obviously, we want to know, what are you drinking these days? So last time I was on the podcast, I told you my favorite drink, and it's been now discontinued. So I'm afraid to even say, isn't that something? So it was um, coconut sake, and and now I can't find it anywhere. So I love to have it with sushi, but it's gone. So um, now it's just a, probably a Sauvignon Blanc. That can't be discontinued if I say it out loud, right? <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, wow. no, but Great. maybe it's because we have so many listeners on the pod that they just went and drank it up and I now thought. there's none left. Right. That's exactly what I thought too. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's hey, it. you know what might be a good replacement for that? Have you ever had mom water? Oh yes. 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 They have a coconut mom water and it, it, it kind of tastes like that. I don't know. It is a good one for the summertime. I agree. Right. That's do cool. do you like that though? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Do you drink that, Kate? Yeah, I like mom water. I really? drank them when we were in your pool. Oh, yeah. Okay. I do remember that. Yeah. I, it's not, not carbonated. Right. No, because then you don't feel bloated, you know. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, this was really important to get <laughs> off on the right foot today. So let's talk about the book. First of all, why did you write Comfy Shoes and Keychains? So actually, it's it's a funny story. I was finishing, I finished my dissertation. I had had, you know, when you're writing a dissertation, Kate, as you're getting yeah. to that point, you're doing so much research and so much, but but ideas come to you and you want to write something fun and you kind of, so I just, all through the process, I just kind of kept notes of things that I wanted to write articles about or submit to AASA, you know, different things. Um, and I had done some of that, but just kind of kept a running list of some ideas and some thoughts as I kind of progressed through my career. And um, and then, you know, when I was done with my dissertation, my kids are grown, they're all, you know, pretty independent um, they're involved in sports, but they're independent. So it was like, well, this is, I don't really do crafts. I don't really do any kind of, you know, hobbies. So I just write for, um, in the evenings or weekends when I'm, you know, looking for something to do, it's kind of just a, I guess it, it was enjoyable for me to do that. And, um, you know, I teased because I told my husband when I was done with my dissertation, I said, well, you know, what's next? Cause you're always kind of searching for what's the next thing I'm going to learn about. And I said, well, how about I go get a law degree? And he laughed and said, uh, well, I don't, I don't know that that's a good idea. And I said, well, you know, not to practice or anything, just to, you know, get like a master's in legal studies because there are universities around here that offer that. And um, I said, well, I guess I could just maybe I'll work on a book. And so um, finishing out that book was kind of a, a really fun, enjoyable process for me um, after the dissertation. Okay, so what are you learning there, Kate? <laughs> so you could huh? you could become a lawyer yeah. after you write your dissertation, yeah. or you could write a book. I mean, where are you going to go with this? I, you know, maybe both. Who knows? Like, we're going to figure this out. 
I mean, I'm that's a good I do have that thought though, because yeah. once we were done writing our book, I was like, Oh, now I should write my dissertation. And now it's like, what are we gonna do after that? Because yeah. you can't just sit still and appreciate silence and peace because who <laughs> Right, because who wants that in their life? Yeah, who wants that? Um okay, Carrie. So let's talk about this. So you're writing, 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 doing your dissertation. Now you're writing your book. What did you learn about yourself during the writing process? So, you know, it's interesting because I kind of, I tell a story in the book about like, I reflected back on some things that, you know, were said to me or were, you know, comments that were made about women in leadership that I didn't really realize how, you know, I was trying, someone was trying to put me under the glass ceiling. You know, I didn't really realize that was happening. So I tell a story in the book about, you know, I was 37, I was applying for my first superintendency. I had been at, um, in the district and an assistant superintendent, and I was questioned about my gender. Um, and it shocked me at the time. I didn't, I thought I didn't hear it correctly. And, um, you know, and then now I reflect on later, I reflected on, I think that person was questioning whether or not I could do this job because I was a female. Um, you know, it was, I'd like to ask her the gender question. And um, I didn't really, until I really started doing work with Courtney on IASA Elevate and some of that, I didn't really shake out that that's, that's what I was being questioned about was, could I handle this job because I was a woman um, solely because, because, you know, in that, in that district, I had been the assistant superintendent and had done a, you know, a successful job. And so it was like, now that's, that's the question is whether or not I can handle it because, and I don't know if that was the intent behind that was, you know, because you're a mom or because you're, you know, I was young too. Um, but it really wasn't about, it wasn't a question of my age. It was a question of, can you handle it because you're female? So I didn't really shake that out with that person. I kind of would like to go back and say, tell me what you meant by that. Like, what were you questioning about my gender in order to do this role? And I understand it's a historically male dominated career, but you know, this was, we're in, you know, 2012, 20, you know, around that time. And it's like, that shouldn't have been a question. So um, I think I learned a lot about reflecting back on some of those. And there have been other comments, too, that were made. And, and my colleagues have, have shared that, you know, people go, you're the superintendent. And they kind of look at a colleague and think, you know, how are, how are you the superintendent? Or talk to a male in the room thinking he's the superintendent. Um, I guess I didn't really realize all of that was happening until, you know, going through this process of writing the book. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about 2012. It's 2024. That's still happening. It is. It is. Mm -hmm. Our colleagues talk about it all the time that, you know, I, I'm at a meeting and someone's talking to, you know, the man in the room and I say, he's the principal. Well, you're the superintendent. Really? He's the principal. You're his boss. Like, why is that a question? Why is that a doubt in people's minds immediately? So it's unfortunate. It really is. So during that interview, that person who was a board member, actually said to you or said around the table something to the effect of do we want to ask that gender question mm -hmm. and what how did you respond in that moment in did you moment, answer like did you answer it well in the moment I thought I misheard I thought you know you, you just go I, I don't think I heard your question because um it didn't process to me what what are you meaning and I said I'm sorry what Luckily, then a board member was sitting next to him and said, you can't ask her that question. And he oh. challenged it and said, well, I'd like to know. And she said, no, you cannot ask her that question. And so then I realized, oh, he did say 
what mm-hmm. I'd like to ask her the gender question. So it was it, at first, I just truly didn't think I heard it, you know, and understood what he was asking. And then, um, and now I I look back at that younger version of myself and I wish I could have whispered in her ear to say, no, I do want to a- answer that question. And I wish I had said, cause I just kind of let it go when she t- diverted him. I wish that I could have whispered in her ear and said, no, stand up and say, I do want to talk about gender. I want to talk about the great things that I bring to this role because of my gender. Um, I, I'm empathetic. I'm collaborative. I'm, you know, I have all of these things. I'm a nurturer because I, and I have an experience as a mom and I understand what people are dealing with when they are challenged, um, you know, with schools because I'm a mom, I've been there, done that. I want to treat children like they're my own children um, and see that side of why this mom is really upset about something. So I wish now I had said, no, no, please let me answer that question for him and tell him, yes, Mm -hmm. there is a gender question. And I think the gender question is about what we do that's great as women, what we bring to the table that is fantastic. I I want to answer the gender question. So I wish now that I had, that I could tell that younger version of myself to stand up and say, no, no, we're going to answer that question because I really want you to understand what I bring to the table that is, is amazing and different. And I can bring some things to the table because of my experiences as a female leader. Hey, listen, that sounds like a great chapter one in your next book. There you go. Right. (laughs) Or you could go back to law school. Yeah. (laughs) That's not in the cards for me. I know. I know which one we'd choose. Right. 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 Or maybe Mm -hmm. I'll start a podcast. (laughs) Do all three. Why not? Don't stop at one. Really burn yourself out. That's right. right. And you can drink Sauvignon Blanc the entire way. (laughs) I love it. No, I'll leave the podcasting to you girls. You do. You kill it. That's awesome. Okay, so we understand that recently, this is maybe a dual question for you. So recently, your region of IASA hosted a fireside chat to bring a group of people together to talk about the book. So we would like to know, what do you think that everybody can learn from that experience? But maybe a little offshoot of that is, have you felt supported from others in the field with the publication of your book? I think that for um, Kate and I, we're experiencing some things as this book comes out that maybe we expected, maybe we didn't, maybe have felt supported in some ways and not felt supported in others. How has that experience been for you? So if you could talk about the fireside chat and then what the, the experience with the publication surrounding people in our field has been like for you. Yeah. So I think, um, I think it's amazing to see the people that support you. Like there is so much power in the people. So Jill Griffin is a colleague down here doing amazing work in Bethalto School District. And she reached out and said, I'd love to have it, you know, just to chat around the fire uh, fireplace and, um, you know, have about your book. And so we can learn about it. And, and so you see these people who really shine in their support for you. And um, I think those they they carry a torch for the rest of us because they're not intimidated by like I think you know people are intimidated by the two of you you're beautiful and you're great leaders and you're doing all this great stuff and so um people get intimidated by you and so it, when there's backlash I think that's what it's about it's a, it's the wait a minute what what are they doing that I'm not and so I don't know that I've heard that I'm sure you know there are some out there that are doing the same thing for me that you're feeling um but I think that when you see, like, I really like to focus on the Jill Griffin and the Emily Warnicky, those those people who are really 
shouting out our books, people I don't know, Lori Blair-Bine from um, um, Arlington Heights, mm-hmm. she, she is, she wrote me a note and talked about my book. And like, that meant so much to me because I've never met her. And so that meant so much to me. So when we see women doing that for each other, I want to focus on them. You know, I want to focus on those who are showing up for us, those who are, you know, writing great reviews for our book. I mean, I love hearing you guys on a recent podcast talk about the reviews that people have written. Those are anonymous. They could, you know, they could say whatever they wanted because they're they're typically kind of anonymous. Um, but it's really cool to see those who take the time to either shout out or elevate you or, you know, give you those accolades because I think they know how hard we work on on things like a book or podcasts. And, um, and so I, I try to focus on them and what they bring to the table because they really make you, um, realize how important supporting women, supporting women is. Was was there really a fire when you did a fireside chat? Stop it. (laughs) We searched in Belleville area for (laughs) Belleville. We found Fletcher's on Maine and it had a nice fire fireplace and we had glasses of wine and we had snacks and um, oh. And some of our men, our, our male colleagues showed up too, which is pretty cool. I think it's neat when they say, yeah, I want to elevate. And we've heard it before in our uh, in our uh, women in leadership um, sessions uh, that we've had that when men come in and they say, I want to support you as my colleague, um, even though your book is about women in leadership, it's it's generally it's just a, a, a book. Yours is as well about leadership, but it is angled towards women. But it's a it's a leadership book as a whole. And it's cool to see our, our male colleagues say, I want to show up for you, but I also want to show up um, because I have a daughter or I have a wife that has a career or, or my sister or the women in my school district. I want to support them. And so I need to know their perspective on things. So it's pretty cool when you see that, you know, that um, I know that, you know, Matt Steins, I'll give them shouts out, shout outs to Dave Dietz, uh, Brian Mincer, excuse me. Um, all of all of the colleagues who have reached out and said, we want to support you. Um, and I know you all feel that as well with lots of male colleagues. Yeah, that's been a really amazing experience to see who shows up and people that you wouldn't even think are listening or reading or watching are and they are it's really nice to see that like the cheerleaders in all the different corners of, you know, Illinois, and even in other states and things like that. So <laughs> Carrie, this is a weird question. It's not on our question list. But how did you feel the day that you got your book in the mail and you opened it up? So that was an unbelievable experience because actually it was interesting because other people were receiving it before I was, and they were sending me pictures or tweeting pictures of it. And that was a really scary feeling because you put so much into a book and your heart is in it. And then all of a sudden the world is holding it and you think, Oh, like it's out there. I don't know if you guys felt that it was definitely imposter syndrome, but definitely like, what are they going to say? And so um, it was a very surreal feeling to see people holding it and sending pictures or tweeting pictures of it. And then I didn't have mine yet. And so I thought, of course, you know, I know what it's going to look like. I know what it's going to, but to not have it. So then when I received it, it was, um, you know, again, that feeling of, oh, I hope everyone likes it. Now what, you know, what are the, what are they going to review it as, or what are they going to think about it? Um, but it was also a, an emotional piece for me because um, one of my favorite women in leadership was um, I, is who I dedicated the book to. And, and I have a heartfelt story in it about her. And her name was Tammy Kuhn. And she was a principal in, um, in the school district that I served before in Chatham, Illinois. And she, um, she was phenomenal. And she passed very early with, from cancer. And so 
to be able to dedicate it to her, that was pretty emotional for me when I opened the the box. And I didn't, I don't know if I was prepared for that. Like when I opened it and, re- and felt it, I felt like she was right there with me. Um, and it's just to be able to elevate um, a colleague such as her and her career and what she's done for kids and for, um, you know, her, her peers, that was pretty, pretty emotional for me. Oh, yeah. It was, I always wonder, like after we got our book in the mail and opening it up and seeing it for the first time, it's such a cool feeling, but also a scary feeling. Like, oh my gosh, people are really going to read this now. (laughs) Like, I hope what I put in there is good. Um, But I remember watching you on Facebook. I think someone in, someone in your house must have videotaped you, but you got the book, like the box and you were opening it in your living room and you held it up. And I was like, oh, what a cool experience. I hope you celebrated that night. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. After a few tears, because it was emotional. It's all that that wrapped up feeling of I'm excited, but I feel very vulnerable because I put this book out there and my thoughts and um, really put my heart into it, but also because of the attachment to Tammy. And um, it just it was a very um, emotional time, but such such an exciting one, too. I just feel I feel privileged to be able to do that. And I've always said, I've told my kids that too. I have five awesome kids and I've said, you all need to write at least one book. And I truly believe that, that everyone should write at least one book in their lifetime to, um, you know, whether it be about a personal experience or something that you know, or something that you love, um, or just a novel, you know, perhaps there's a story in your mind of, because I, I just really believe everyone has at least one book in them, um, potentially more, but I think everyone has at least one and most of us just don't write it. Um, But I do believe that that's in everyone. Yeah. But also don't be one and done. Sounds like you, yeah, it sounds like you are already, (laughs) you're already thinking of book number two. Do you want to give us a sneak peek preview into what's in your mind? So it, it too is a leadership book um, and it is geared more towards how to support, um, you know, we have a lot of, there's a lot of um, books out there about HR and how to process, you know, hire right, fire right, you know, those types of books are out there, but it's more about supporting people and making the most of them. So, uh, you know, helping them make the most of their career in that, and kind of the idea of whisper criticism, shout praise. Um, and so that's kind of where I'd like it to go is, um, and I have kind of a draft, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if we have time to finish it up and, um, and if it's going to make its way into the world or not. But I think there's a lot to that and how to help, um, help develop our colleagues, um, and one another. And that's a really important part of leadership. I think leaders, um, that's our most important role is to get the most out of or help individuals, grow. And, um, you know, that's, that's such an important thing. I think we look Mm -hmm. forward to reading it. Yeah. We're excited for it. Thanks. Thanks. I'm excited for your second book too. (laughs) Someone should supervise us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be totally different. Wait till people read it. Um, okay, Carrie, let's talk about some F4 leaders you want to give a shout out to right now. I do. So, um, you know, I, I, I always enjoy listening to that because I follow all the people that you shout out or that your guests shout out. Um, but, you know, I really want to, um, and perhaps Courtney and I can tag them on this, the, the IASA Elevate cohort has some, when you talk about fierce leaders, we've got some fierce leaders in that. So um, perhaps in, rather than, you know, running off the list of the approximately 25 of them um, that we tag them or something in a, in a, uh, um, tweet. And so that would be a good thing because there are some really dynamic folks. And 
And what I love is that they want to support each other as women in leadership in these tough roles that we have, but also they want to support their colleagues. So anytime someone reaches out, they're right there. They're like this little cohort of, of folks out there helping women elevate themselves. And um, that's a, such an important thing. So the IASA Elevate Cohort is is a great group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're a rock star group. Yeah, yeah. I've met everybody once, the f- one time back in like October. And I remember afterwards, you know, a couple of the women in there had sent like a nice note to my school. Like they're just very kind, uplifting. It's very hard, I think, to get in a room full of women that really want to help and support one another. And that's their end goal. There's no other reason for being in there. So it's it's an incredible space to be in. And I would argue, too, that women, when when they embrace that, they're happier. You know, when they embrace the idea of elevating each other and elevating, it's such a happier place to be in your life. You know, so it's rather than tearing down one another, that's a really miserable place to be. But if you're elevating and if, you know, Kate came and spoke to the group and did a phenomenal job. So I'm thrilled that they followed up with that because, um, you know, then it went, they're happier. You know, those that are elevating each other, they're happier themselves too. So um, absolutely. Everybody needs to pick me up and a lift me up. Yes. They really do. Yes. We take it for granted. Did you like that, Kate? I did. I was just going to say, where'd you learn that? Okay. I don't know. I just felt it. It just <laughs> came to me in the moment. You know, anytime that I'm hanging out with Carrie, I always feel a little bit smarter. She's such a great researcher. She loves research and brings up <laughs> brings out some really great things. So I listen, we're just excited. We hope that everybody who is listening right now, more than our seven listeners are going to get out there jump on Amazon. Everyone, we will link this. But Carrie is the recent author of Comfy Shoes and Keychains, Tips for Women in Leadership. Thank you, Carrie, for joining us today. Kate, I'm going to turn it over to you. All right, everyone. So you heard exactly where to buy the book. And don't forget, after you buy it and read it, please leave Carrie a review because we need more people out there to celebrate and elevate one another. And don't forget, if you don't have a seat at the table, you can always sit with us. Until next week.